You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Okay. Today we're looking at our last, our last um, in our series of discipleship. We um, embarked on this journey about six weeks ago, looking at various aspects of what it means to be a disciple. In this time, we've 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 learned that actually there's only one type of Jesus, uh, only one type of Christian. There's only one type of follower of Christ, and that's a disciple. Either you're a disciple, or you're not a believer. Because actually, if you want to follow me, you need to pick up your cross, right? You need to surrender everything. You, you, if you want to follow me, you need to be a disciple of me. We can't actually live our lives as we like and put on the badge Christian if we're not choosing to be more like Jesus. It doesn't work that way. And I think, again, throughout history, throughout uh, what's happened in, in time, uh, the, we, we have used kind of Christian as kind of where we're coming from as a country. We're a Christian nation, so thus I'm a Christian. Well, actually, no, a Christian is Christ-like. It's being like Jesus. And we need to be committed to the process. And so it starts with surrender. We looked at the first week, giving our lives completely over to Jesus. But that coming from surrender quickly leads us to a place of discipline. Because when we look in the mirror, do we see Jesus or do we see us? And actually, Jesus, his heart is that we, more, we look more and more like him as time goes on. That we become transformed to be more like his image. And so in this process, there are things that has to be changed. And there's a part that we play in that, in, in throwing off the sin and all that, the, that hinders us. So that we can run the race with perseverance that God has called us to. But these things, these, these old habits, these old lifestyles actually need to change when we come to know Jesus. We can't live our old lifestyle and follow Jesus at the same time because the two are in opposition to one another. Yes? But also God has a part. He plays obviously in this whole process. His spirit is in us and he, he convicts us of of what needs to change. And He gives us the power to overcome sin. It isn't just God saying, you know what, you need to stop doing that. And us having to try how to, to conform to be better. But actually Jesus gives us His Spirit that overcame sin and death. And His Spirit dwells in us and gives us a way out. We don't need to be held bondage any longer by this because the Spirit of God lives in us and it helps us to overcome. But then God also uses situations and challenges that we hardships as discipline. Those deep things in our lives that maybe need to change. And sometimes it goes, it takes us going through hard moments in life where we are changed from the inside out. Discipline isn't pleasurable, but actually it's necessary to, to produce the harvest of righteousness and peace, the scripture says. We then looked at actually disciples remain in his word. It's knowing the truth and, and abiding in it. It isn't just kind of hearing about Jesus and again just kind of living our own life. But actually it's, it's understanding, it's learning His Word and then applying His Word and living in that place where it brings truth and that truth brings us into a new level of freedom. Disciples live in freedom because they're living in the truth. Not in old ways of thinking. Two weeks ago we looked at disciples do what Jesus did. Challenging one. In fact, Jesus said we will do even greater things than these. Disciples don't just look at Jesus as this, this kind of superhero of the past, but actually Jesus says, you know, if you're going to come after me, you need to do what I've been doing. Disciples, these, for those who believe, this is what you'll do. 
And it's a challenging thing as, as for all of us to think, is this happening in our lives? And if it's not happening, God, we need more of you. We haven't obtained it. And I think if, if Jesus says, you'll do even greater things than these, God, is this happening in my life? I, I, I want to do even greater things than you did, but Lord, help me to believe, help me to move in the things of your spirit. Help me to move in faith. It's pushing the boundary of the status quo and moving into the realm of the impossible. Bringing his kingdom from heaven to earth. That's the realm that God calls us to as his disciples. Last week, Tom talked about disciples love one another. Discipleship isn't just a, a, a vertical relationship with the Lord, but it's also a horizontal relationship with one another. Our, our dis, being a disciple means actually we love one another. And you can say, well, God, I give my life to you. I surrender. I'll go through all the process. But I don't really like the people I have to do, to do life with. Unfortunately, if you're going to be part of this process, you need to love the people beside you. That's just as much part of discipleship as it is our relationship with the Lord. In fact, God often uses the people around us to, to, to knock off the rough edges of our lives. We don't know we have problems with anger until we got people around us that make us angry. You know, we don't know we have problems with impatience until we're with people that, that drive us crazy. But in those moments, God uses other people to help produce in us the love that flows from his heart to the world around us. He changes us, but he calls us to love as he loved us. He, he set this example, this new law, actually love one another as I have loved you. Well, that's a pretty high standard. But it's a standard that God calls us to. And again, I, I think in all of these last five weeks, I look at each one of them and think, God, I need to keep growing in that. I need to keep growing in that. And I think for all of us, if we're honest, each one of these we need to keep growing in. That's why I don't think discipleship isn't something we do when we're a new believer. And then we, we, we pass the course. We did the six-week program. And now we're a disciple. We're all good to go. Actually, no, all of these things, it takes a lifetime commitment to keep growing in. I've learned in life that as people come into my path, I need to keep loving them. And, and there are moments that's challenging. People let us down. People hurt us. And, and yet God calls us to keep loving, to keep forgiving, to keep showing his, his heart towards them. And that's a challenge. Today we're going to look at, I wouldn't say the last aspect, but the last aspect of this series that we're doing. And it is this understanding that disciples make disciples. That they spiritually reproduce as believers, when we come to know Christ, we all of a sudden have this baton put in our hands of now passing it on. All that we learn, we are now entrusted to, to pass on to someone else. We don't have an opt-out of just saying, well, I'm not the pastor, so actually I don't have a responsibility to pass anything on. Actually, if you're a disciple, you need to make disciples. It is on your watch now. As soon as we have knowledge, we need to pass it on. As soon as we have an understanding of God's heart, we need to pass it on. As soon as we've had an encounter with Jesus, we need to pass it on. We need to be a witness. Now again, a passage of scripture that many of us are very familiar with is Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which is our basis of what we're looking at today. And it says, Jesus came to them. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We are commanded to go and make disciples. So if we were going to look at it, go and make disciples. 
Well, what does that look like? How do I make a disciple? It's not like go and build houses, right? What is the process? What does it mean to go and make disciples? There's this calling to go, to engage. There's this choice that we each have to make. You know, we, we said this in weeks past. God didn't, Jesus didn't say go and make converts. Because actually converts is a much easier process. Because once they say the prayer, we can walk away. Right? Once someone says yes to Jesus, we don't have any more responsibility. Because they've crossed the line. That's it. But when Jesus says go and make disciples, he's, he's calling us to do something that's requiring a lot more of our lives. To make disciples actually has a cost and it requires a process and it's not a one-off. You can't just make a disciple overnight. Making a disciple requires a few things. And as I was just meditating, Jesus set an example of making disciples, right? He had a whole crowd of people following him and he chose 12 guys to be his disciples. Now he set out an example of what making disciples looks like. So we don't need to look too far in scripture to see what a disciple making process looks like. Jesus started with spending time. Time is required. In fact, Jesus spent over three years with these guys. It wasn't something in one service Jesus made disciples, made 12 disciples. Actually, he spent three years, day in, day out, with these guys, talking together, sharing together. It was something that he, he poured his heart into them. You can't rush the process of discipleship. And for you and I, there's people in our lives that need our time. Barnabas was was over a year with new converts. Sorry, with... Um, sorry, Barnabas was over a year with a new convert, uh, Saul. So when we look at Acts chapter 11, 25 to 26, we see that God was doing some great things in Antioch and and Barnabas comes to the place, sees what's, what's happening, is starting to minister, but then goes and gets Saul. Saul has just is a recent convert. I mean, he was a zealous guy persecuting the church, comes to Christ, you know, is still zealous in the other direction, suddenly in the other direction, has kind of a little bit of a, a period where the, the, the apostles, the disciples kind of just send him kind of away because he's actually causing a bit of problem in his approach. Barnabas comes along and says, you know what? I need Saul here. And for a whole year, he's with Paul and he spends time with, or Saul, he spends time with him. He, 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 uh, he's with them. We don't see a lot in scripture, but then we see when they, when they start to do missions and they send them out, it's Barnabas and Saul that go on mission. There was time spent. But then when we keep following the, this, this, this journey onwards in scripture, we see that Paul then took Timothy and Titus and many others under his wing and he spent time with them. They, they traveled together. They talked together. They were, they, they were, they were, they were connected together. Sorry, the youth are getting excited and it's not at this message. <laughs> they were journeying together. So it's time. Our time is the greatest investment we can make in someone else's life. And can I encourage you that actually, if, if there's any calling we have in reproducing, is spending our time with other people to bring them to the place that we're at. But we need to obviously to keep moving. But God calls us to spend time with people. The second thing with time is, is when we spend time with people, we start to journey with them. And, and it, as we look at, again, Jesus, it was, uh, 
Jesus modeled this. He, he ate with the disciples. He walked with the disciples. He celebrated occasions with the disciples. And there's this context in which relationship can start to grow as they journey together. You know, our Christian walk is not to be a walk that we just walk alone. I walk this lonely road. Do you know that song? No, sorry, it's an American song. Our walk with Jesus is not a lonely walk that we just journey off into the sunset with the Lord. Actually, no, no, no. We need to have people journeying with us. Discipleship is journeying with people. Jesus could have spent those three and a half years of ministry alone, but he chose not to. He chose people to journey with him, to spend time together, to, to walk the road together. And you know, there are people in our lives we have to allow in. You and I all have busy lives or things going on, and it's a purposeful choice that we have to make. Saying, you know what? Who around me that can I journey with? Can I bring along to the journey? I'm already maybe connected in some way or another, but actually I'm going to, I'm going to do life with this person. It's, it's celebrating special moments together. It's walking along life's path together. I think if we were really honest, there, in all of our lives, there are people that we could recognize that aren't as far along in the journey as you are, that you could come and you could bring along with you. I think we all need it. Again, discipleship, as we've been looking, isn't just a one-off time in our lives, but actually there's times that we need to still be discipled by others who are further along than we are. You ag agree? We need to be spurred on, but at the same point, you and I have a responsibility to make disciples. So it's time, it's journeying with them. But from a place of relationship, we see in Scripture here, it says, in teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Do you know, it's not just in words, but it's in our lifestyle, it's in our values, it's in our thought processes that we teach everything that we have received from the Lord. You know, I've discovered in my own personal walk that people who have influenced me the most are not the people who've preached to me the most, the people who've walked with me the most and I've watched their lives and I've learned in how they how do they respond to situations what what happens when I when I was 18 I, I went to Holland to volunteer with a missionary couple that were living there and uh, I lived with them and that year was a formational year because I journeyed with them and we every morning we had prayer time and, and, and I just watched them they didn't do lots of instructing me I mean, they had pointers that they told me here and there. But I just, I learned by being with them. People need to be with us in order to learn from us. And if we have a relationship, and if we have a sense of connectedness with them, you know, there are times where we need to instruct them. We need to challenge them. We need to uh, pour something into their hearts. But it always flows out of this bridge of relationship. You see, I think the church, the church is stronger if we are journeying together. If the people beside us, we're, we're, we're making room in our lives that we're, we're doing life together. And in that process, we have a, uh, an atmosphere, an environment in which we learn from the people around us. And they can learn from us. You and I, again, it's, it's a purposeful thing that happens. We need to let people into our world so they can learn and grow from us. Jesus allowed the disciples into his world. They learned by watching and by his instruction. Again, when Jesus was, was living his life, when he was doing his ministry, you know, they, they, they just watched him for three years. He would do things, he would say things, and they would in privacy, why did you say that? What did that mean? But they were close enough to have that relationship. They, they, they were close to hear his heart. 
Why was he responding to certain people the way he was and differently to other people? Why was he breaking kind of the, the code of, of the Pharisees? Why was he doing these things? Everyone else was kind of watching it from a distance, but the disciples were close. They could hear his heart. And because of that, they, they could become like him. Who knows your heart? Who's close enough to you to watch you in this way? Can I encourage you that we need people close to us, under our wing, so to speak. They can watch you. They can understand your challenging moments. They can hear your heart in every situation. Discipleship is also caring for and helping, supporting. Do you know, discipleship can be a messy process, discipling people around us, because people make mistakes, don't they? We love them to, you know, we love it if people just learned the first time. But sometimes people don't learn this first time. And even again, we look at Jesus as this example and, and his interactions just with one disciple, as we have a fair bit about him and Jesus. And Peter, Peter seemed to get it wrong a few times, didn't he? There were times that, that Peter was rebuked. Get thee behind me, Satan. Well, that's not a very nice thing to say. But there were times of correction that Jesus said, you know what? That, that, that's not right. But then there were also challenging points where, where, where Peter's faith failed and Jesus picks him up. There were moments when Peter completely denied him and yet Jesus makes this commitment to, to restore him to a place of ministry. You know, Jesus was there constantly with Peter. The good, the bad, the ugly. But he was part of this whole process with him. Again, sometimes it, we, we can be so quick to write people off, even people that we're, 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 we may be committed to, to, to support and to help, and they don't do the things that we expect them to do, or, and, and we get frustrated with them, and we can just cut the, cut the contact. Can I encourage you, disciple-making is messy, but we need to keep going. You're the mature one in the relationship. You know, we can be upset because our kids aren't doing the right thing, but we are the parents. We need to do the right thing. We need to keep being steady and steadfast in the relationship with them, even when they completely make a mess of it. As parents, we don't take a grudge against our children, right? We're the ones older. We should be the ones leading the way. And the same thing goes as being spiritual moms and dads. So it's caring for them and supporting them, even when they make mistakes. You know, I, I'm, I'm amazed when I look at Jesus choosing Judas to be his disciple knowing that he would betray him to death. Yet he showed him the same unconditional love as he showed everyone else. He, he, he supported, even though Judas was taking money out of the purse himself, even though Judas was doing these, you know what, he, he stood by Judas. And I think there's a lesson there for us, and it's a challenging one, to stand by the people even when they would betray you. Jesus didn't betray Judas. Fifthly, is praying for them. Jesus prayed for his disciples regularly. And in John 10, we have this whole passage where he, he intercedes for the disciples. Paul, again, modeled this. He prayed for his disciples, for those who were, who were with him. In Titus, beginning of Titus, I pray continually for you, Titus. I pray continually for you. You know what? There are people, who are you praying for in your life? Who are you investing that prayer? Who are you standing by in prayer? Who's coming behind you? This whole message is, we could call it discipleship, we could call it being spiritual moms and dads, we could call it mentorship, we could call it all those different things, but I believe when we've walked a walk, God calls us, no matter how long in the journey we are, He, he calls us to bring people along behind us.
But we are the ones to intercede for them and pray for them, encourage them. How much further would people go if we encouraged them and prayed for them continually? Jesus prayed for his disciples. He continued to pray for them. I, I encourage you, who are you praying for in your life? I mean, we can pray for our earthly families. We can pray for others. But who are the people, who are your spiritual sons and daughters that you're interceding for right now? Interceding on their behalf so they can experience the breakthroughs that they need. You know, sometimes we can leave it to every spiritual generation to kind of fight it out on their own. But actually, can we give them a, a hand up? Can we just say, do you know what? Uh, we're we're going to be your your floor in which you can jump off of. We're going to pray for the breakthroughs so that you don't have to go through years and years of struggle to get to the point of learning what I've learned. I'm going to pray right now for breakthrough for your life. I'm going to intercede on your behalf. Do you know what? You and I have a part to play in that. We can see the breakthroughs in others when we have walked into that breakthrough ourselves. It's a, but it's a commitment that we need to make. Learning by doing. This is the last one. Learning by doing. There are times, and especially in ministry context, that we need to step aside and allow others to grow. Jesus didn't just remain in the limelight, but he actually sends them out. The 72 he sends out. Barnabas allows Paul to take the lead in the first missionary journey. When Paul then established churches, he, he released others. He released Timothy and Titus and, and other of his close team to, to lead the churches he helped establish. He, he, re, he opened doors. Discipleship should not be uh, about stifling, but it should be about releasing others into ministry places. Again, if there's someone you're connected to and you're doing something ministry-wise, you know what? Get them involved. Release them. I mean, as a church, that's why even we have different people sharing. Raising up the younger generation in the church. They need opportunity to grow and to learn, to share. It's part of discipleship. It's part of, I believe, my responsibility. That actually there's, there's a wake of other people coming up younger than me that know how to minister because I gave them opportunity to do so. That's my role, but it's your role as well. In whatever place you have in the church, the church body, is to give way to other people, train them, release them. Discipling others or making disciples starts with the few and not the multitude. When we read this passage of scripture, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We can look at all nations thinking we need to disciple the masses. You know, you cannot do life with the masses. You can do life with a few. You can maybe do life with a couple people where you actually intentionally take time with these few people and you're going to mentor them. You're going to share your heart with them. Jesus chose 12 people to be his disciples out of a multitude, out of thousands. He chose only a few people. Again, we look at Barnabas. He chose Paul and John Mark to be disciples. Paul chooses Timothy and Titus and Silas and a handful of others. You can't pour your life into everyone. Not at the level that discipleship requires. And again, so I I come back to this question of, are who are the people in your life? You know, I look at each of these examples, and you know, they chose their disciples. Barnabas chose who he was going to impart his life to. Jesus chose who he was going to impart. But you know, they were all, I believe, spirit-led. And we can kind of turn a blind eye to the people around us and be very focused on our own life, and our own journey. But can I encourage you to pray and say, God, who do I need to disciple? Who is around me right now that I need to put my arm around and say, you know, I'm going to be committed to this person, to the journey that they're on. 
Each of these guys that we've looked at, they chose the people that they were going to be committed to. It starts with the few and not the multitudes, but also discipleship is for every believer. I believe this passage of scripture wasn't just written to the apostles of of that time, but I believe it's written to us today. It's not, again, not just the work of the pastor, but it's the work for every one of us that we have a part to play in raising up the next generation. To be a disciple means that we're also committed to the raising up of other people. If I'm going to call myself a Christian, then actually being a Christian means I'm helping other people become the Christians they need to be. What's in it for us? We grow in the process. You see, something happens. I, something happens when you, when you physically have children. I discovered I grew up when I had kids in ways I didn't grow up before. I discovered what selfishness is in myself when we had child, babies in the house. I remember those moments when you just want to sleep. And babies are crying. And you're confronted with yourself in those moments. You know what? Discipling grows us. We're the benefactors also of this process. When you pour your life into someone else, it calls you to grow. When someone's close enough to watch your every action, you know, you start thinking about your every action. When you're letting people into your world, you start to think about your world. Again, I remember when we had little kids and suddenly they're watching what we're saying at the dinner table. And especially as they become teenagers, they start to repeat what you say and think, okay, we gotta stop saying those things because those things aren't right. And obviously they're, they're, they're mirroring what we are showing. And so it causes us to have higher accountability. You know, if you let people in, it challenges your walk with God to go further. There's a blessing in it for you as well. It isn't just about the other person, but it's also for you rising to another standard. I want to close with this, these two questions again. Who are you discipling? I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. I pray that it, dare I use the word, haunts you. Who are you pouring your heart into? Can I encourage you, those of the older generation in this church, if you've walked with Jesus a long time, there should be people behind you. You've got something to share. He, Timothy was, was, was called to, to challenge the older people, or maybe it was Titus, to teach the older ones to, 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 the, to the younger ladies. They, they needed to, the older ladies to teach the younger ladies. I believe the older men need to teach the younger men. There's something old passing on. Discipling. Who are we discipling? Again, for the, those who are younger in this room, though, there are teenagers that need your help. There are people, your own peers that need your help. Who has God brought into your path to invest into? You know, we make the choice to say, you know, I'm going to let this person into my world and I'm going to disciple them. I'm going to take them out for coffee. I'm going to invite them over for meals. I'm going to spend time with them. Can I guarantee you it will be uh, an investment that you'll reap many benefits in years to come. God wants us to be reproductive spiritually. And anything he's given you, any breakthrough he's given in your life, you know, is for other people as well. Don't hold on to it. Does this make sense? God help us do this. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. 
To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.